dear Heavenly Father, just thank you so much for um, the sun today that we can um, share in our friendships with each other at our tables. And we thank you for Heather. And Lord, I just ask that you provide your words through her today. And um, thank you for the way that she lives and loves. In your name we pray. Amen. Today, we get to hear from Heather Elting Ballard. And something I failed to mention a few weeks ago in my little testimony is that when I went through my stroke, Heather happened to be my Bible study leader at the time. And a month prior to everything happening, she told me that I needed to go and ask Jenny Fuller for prayer. And I can't even call Jenny out because she's not here today. But what I have learned, and I never did, and it was, it was I regret that. Um, what I have learned is we have amazing women leaders at our church, and when they tell you to do something, you should do it. <laughs> so whether Kelly's talking to you or Heather or Pam or anyone else, if they tell you to do something, just do it and trust that God is working through them. What I can tell you about Heather is that she lives and she loves well. Um, she and Pam also came to visit me in the hospital, and Heather was able to minister to me in a way that I'm a musician, and she left me with um, a vague set of songs she transferred over to my phone so that I could listen to since I couldn't read or see anything. And so that is where God has used Heather in my life. Also, if Pastor Stephen, Pam Larson, and Heather Elting Ballard come to your hospital room, something has gone very wrong. <laughs> it's like your first clue that you need help. <laughs> um, but anyway, Heather lives and loves well. Here is her bio for you. She and her husband, Kurt, began attending Bethlehem in 1995 after moving from California to Minnesota for Kurt's medical residency at the University of Minnesota. Heather has been involved in a number of Bethlehem ministries over the year, including children's ministries, the Global Diaconate, and Women's Bible Study, and is excited to continue to serve at the North Church. Currently, Heather has the privilege of serving as a high school small group leader and is also interim executive director of City Joy. Heather and Kurt are parents to two amazing college students, Sam and Sarah. And now that the kids are away at college, when she's not working, Heather loves to garden, travel, and read mysteries. Good morning. I spoke last night, and I tried to incorporate a number of the things we talked about into the talk, so I'm going to Hopefully, I fit them in at the right places, and it all makes sense. Um, at the, I left time to talk at the end. I think this is a topic to talk about, and so if um, so, if you have thoughts or questions, save them to the end. But then it'd be great if we could all have a discussion about those things together, because I think we all bring great ideas and um, can benefit from hearing from one another. So. Um, since I'm talking about making friends, I thought I'd start with a funny story on this topic. When our daughter was in eighth grade, she moved up to a new level in the Greater Twin Cities Youth Symphony. In this new and more demanding symphony, I knew that she would not be happy, 
and want to stick with Gitsies unless she had friends. And so right away, I'm encouraging her to talk to her stand partner to get to know her, to get her know her name, ask her if she goes to school. And um, she completely ignored me. And <laughs> instead, every night, every, every week, as we drove to and from Gitsies, she'd talk about how she didn't have any friends, and it was really hard. And I was just like, just talk to her. Um, so I, I prayed for patience and um, just kept encouraging her to, to get to know her stand partner um, and just nothing from her. And so finally, I, I, don't, I don't know how I came up with this, but I, what I said to her was, the bummer about not getting to know your stand partner is that you could be missing out on getting to know your very best friend. She could be someone you will know forever. Even though you don't go to the same school, you could know each other all the way through high school. You could be in Gitsies together all the way through high school. Um, you could go off to college together and be roommates and be in each other's weddings and raise your kids together, be friends forever. And if um, and the worst thing that happens is you say hello, you start to get to know her. N nothing comes out of that but maybe she'll grow up and be a serial killer. And then you would have a really great story to tell at parties <laughs> later in life. And um, so that worked. <laughs> I think she was curious to see if maybe this person was a serial killer. So, um, so she and Ellie got to be great friends and um, were friends all through high school. And now they're at college together. And they're in the same major and they take classes together. And um, that's just this really sweet friendship. So the moral of that story is that you really can start a friendship by saying hello and that mom is always right. <laughs> so um, I'm just going to pray for us real quick and then I'll go with the talk for real. Um, so, Father God, I pray that all that I say this morning would be glorifying to you, would be helpful to people hearing this, and, um, and, and that even as, we're, even as I'm talking, that if there's anything that's not from you, that it would just, um, just blow away like chaff in the wind. Um, I pray that you would bless this time now. In your son's name we pray. Amen. So in the fall of 1983, when I was 16, and just so you're not sitting there doing the math, I'm 56 now. So um, when, I'm, when I was 16, Jesus showed up in my life in a really amazing way. Even though I, I hadn't grown up in a Christian family because of some unique circumstances in my life, I had just spent the previous three months, basically all summer, at a camp. And, and because of the camp I was at, I, I spent pretty much every night praying and asking God to show me if he existed, and if he did, who he was. And, um, and, and what I'm convinced was a really clear answer to those prayers. In September, a new student at my high school invited me to go to church, and I heard the gospel for the first time, and that was amazing. It was mind-blowing and life-changing. Prior to that event, for the first 16 years of my life, I'd been a pretty lonely kid. Although I had eventually learned to make friends, kinda, I never had the kind of friendships I longed for. Instead, my friends were books. I spent most of my time reading and wishing things were different in my life. I read Anne of Green Gables, that was a favorite book of mine, and I really resonated with Anne's 
longing to have a bosom friend, an intimate friend, a kindred spirit, and I just longed for that person. So as I began attending church, and then even more after I became a Christian, the Lord began to satisfy those longings to be known and loved in him. And then in time, he also blessed me with the gift of friendships with godly women who he used as instruments in my life. And it was in those relationships that I heard the gospel. I prayed to accept Jesus as Lord of my life, and I learned to walk out my faith. I was encouraged and corrected. I learned to call sin, sin, and I was given an opportunity to view up close what it looks like to be a godly friend and wife and mother. I learned how to study my Bible, and I learned how to pray. I got prayed for. I had somebody who um, let me live with them for a while when things were hard at home. I was encouraged to trust God and seek his will for my life and to persevere and grow in my faith and to trust him in all things. These women were real-life examples of what it means to live out the one another's in Scripture. And um, just, just a few that, in particular, um, to love one another, um, which is what, John, or what Jesus tells us in John 13, to exhort one another every day, which is in Hebrews, and to stir one another up to love and good works and encourage one another. But um, friendships like these aren't just about sharing the gospel and discipling someone new in their faith. They're the kind of friendships we all need. Um, we need them in our lives and as Christians, whether we're young in our faith or have been following Jesus for decades, every one of us needs to have friends who will love us who will pray with us and for us, who will encourage us in our faith and in God's unique calling in our lives, who will speak truth to us, who will tell us if we are having itchy ears or getting tossed to and fro by waves and deceitful schemes, who will rejoice with us when we rejoice and weep with us when we weep, who will hold up our arms when we're tired, who know us well enough to tell us when they can see sin in our life, and who we trust enough to hear from them about our sin and not run away because we're ashamed. So we need that and we need to be those kind of friends to each other. So given all that, I wanna spend a little bit of time talking about making friends at church. And then I'm gonna share about some of my friendships. Um, From a distance, it seems like it shouldn't be that hard to make friends at church. We sit next to people who seem like they're perfectly lovely. We stand in line next to people when we're picking up our kids. We sit with other moms in the nursing room. We are the family of Christ, and we're a big church, so there should be lots of friend potential, right? Um, But in reality, it can be a lot harder said than done. As a congregation, we're geographically really spread out. Um, Once upon a time, people attended the church in their neighborhood or their nearby church, and Kids pretty much attended the same schools, and we all shopped at the same grocery stores and bought shoes and clothes at the same stores. We had lots of overlap in our lives. Today, we might live miles from the person we sit next to in church. We educate our children in a bunch of different ways, and many of us do some or all of our shopping online without ever leaving our homes. That, that overlapping, that just kind of organic overlapping that happened in church and out of church is, is largely gone for a lot of us. And then our lives might be really busy. Some of us homeschool, some of us work outside the home, some of us are in school 
or our husbands are in school or both. And then depending on the age of our kids, some of us spend hours every week schlepping our kids' places. Um, the last few years have made some of us feel a bit more guarded about what we want to share about who we are. Um, we might be tired or distracted. If we're moms with kids at home, we almost always have someone or multiple someones tugging at us and needing things from us. And then in addition to it being hard to find time to make connections, it, it can just sometimes feel a little bit awkward to go from hi to getting to know someone a little bit and then from there to actually building a relationship. And yet, there's great blessing that comes from, from friendships with other believers and it's worth making the time and the effort to build them with women at church. So, practically speaking, if we want to develop uh, friendships with the women at church, first, we need to ask God for help. Um, we need to ask him to provide friends and then ask him to give us eyes to see potential friends in our lives. Um, one of the things we talked about last night was if, if, especially if we're trying to make an intentional effort to build friends, it's also helpful if you have a husband to tell him that, that you're doing that and so to figure out the whole dynamic about leaving church quickly so we can get home and have lunch and wanting to linger and talk to people. Um, so just bringing him in on that, asking him to go pick up kids so that there can be conversations. Um, and then we need to be in places where we can connect with other women. So moms, good job. And <laughs> women's Bible study and, or serving in a ministry, Titus 2, being in a small group. And then in those settings, we need to be intentional. We need to say hi, learn names, start conversations, ask get-to-know-you questions. Again, one of the questions that came up last night is that get-to-know-you question thing. Um, when I was growing up, my father used to make me come up with five questions I could ask anyone to start a conversation whenever we were going to events. And I had to tell him in the car on the way there. Um, and it, it, it was... It was hard as a child. Now I feel like I'd do it without even thinking about it. And they had to be five open-ended questions. They couldn't be yes or no. And, and then we had to kind of learn the art of follow-up. It's a really great skill. And people last night were like, oh, I should come up with five questions to talk to people about. So that's just, uh, that, that was just something that people found helpful last night. Once we start talking, we need to be willing to initiate connecting in a different context. Um, I asked a friend who is a counselor to proofread this talk, and she commented that clients often share that they struggle to make friends or don't have friends because nobody ever initiates with them. And so I just want to reiterate that that point is we initiate. We don't wait for someone to initiate with us. Um, because we might be waiting a long time. Um, so what does initiating look like? Um, it might mean inviting someone to go for a walk or a hike. It might mean inviting someone to have coffee or breakfast or lunch together, or invite, inviting someone to take all the kids to go do something together. Um, 
it might look like welcoming someone into part of your life. So I'm a gardener, and I often will just ask people to come over and garden with me because it just gives us something to do when we don't know each other real well to like be working with our hands. When I'm working with high schoolers, so I'm a high school small group leader, I always have something for us to do because high schoolers don't respond real well to just kind of looking at each other across the table. So, so I bring, they, they come pull weeds or we, I take, bring coloring books and crayons to coffee or um, we might make a meal or bake or something like that. But it's, it's helpful when you're just getting to know someone to be doing something while getting to know. Um, and then if we want to have deeper relationships or want to deepen our existing relationships, we need to be willing to build depth. And for Christians, we need to include Jesus in our friendships. So what that looks like is being intentional about asking and being willing to answer deep questions, um, asking one another how it's going with the Lord and being real in our answers. So if we're struggling with prayer, be willing to say that. If you fall asleep when you read your Bible and you need some help with that, say that. Don't, we, we just, it just doesn't help to build depth if we're just always kind of polishing ourselves when we're talking to other people. So at one point I asked a friend who I didn't see every day, but I certainly saw her at church and then occasionally outside of church to ask me, whenever she saw me, how it was going uh, in, in having regular time with the Lord. And that made a huge difference in my life. And that's all she was doing. It was just like, hey, Heather, how's it going? And I just knew she was going to ask me. And that just kind of got me over a hump for a while. That was a huge help in my life. So we need to be willing to be transparent and honest and even messy. Because we're all messy. And we're all just sinners in need of a savior. That's real. And we need to be real with each other if we want to have authentic relationships. Um, I'd also encourage everyone to pursue friendships with women of different ages, as well as those who are in different life stages. Although it can be super helpful to have a buddy who's also dealing with the terrible twos, and I don't think I would have survived twos and threes without having people to call and just vent to and ask, ask for prayer and help. Um, but it can also be a huge blessing to have friends who've already been through it and who've made it, <laughs> who survived the twos and threes, um, and who can say, well, here's some things that worked, or maybe come at it a really different way. Um, it can also be a gift to have friends who are younger and single or newly married or kids younger, because then you have an opportunity to be an encouragement to them and to recount your own experiences of God's faithfulness. And remember, it, it's helpful to our hearts to rehearse what God has done. Um, I've also gone to older women and just said, can I spend some time with you? I just want to see how you fill in the blank. And that's been just so hugely helpful to me. So here are a couple examples of what initiating a friendship looked like for me in real life. Um, in fall of 2019, I signed up to attend one of the women's Bible studies, and one of the leaders, Jackie Bolt, was someone I didn't know, but I loved it when she talked. She was hilarious, and I thought she'd be fun to know. Um, 
So talked to her after class a couple of times and eventually said, hey, you want to go have lunch sometime? And that was a great lunch. And we just got to know each other. We talked about our kids. We talked about life, the universe, and everything. We talked about gardening. And then COVID hit. And the world just kind of withdrew. Well, you guys all lived through it. We all went to our homes and we stayed there and didn't see anyone. So in early summer, Jackie and I had a couple text exchanges about gardening. And then in late fall, I was dividing plants and um, she came to pick some up. And we ended up having a conversation about how we were going to stay in the word in the upcoming year. Um, And as a result of that conversation, we ended up deciding we were going to get together every week to uh, go through 1 John together and to pray. And um, that was just an amazing gift in the middle of COVID. And we did it for months. Although there's a 15-year age difference between Jackie and me, and our kids were in really different life stages, her youngest was in elementary school, I think in third grade, and mine was applying for colleges that year. Our relationship was about encouraging each other in the Lord. So as we spent time in the Word each week, we were constantly just sharing about the very real things going on in our lives and wrestling and praying together about how God's Word applied to our specific circumstances. So Jackie would come on Tuesday nights, and sometimes I was still doing the dishes or making cookies or whatever, and Sometimes I'd put it all aside, and sometimes you just jump in and help, and we'd do dishes or make cookies and talk about Jesus and life, and it was really good. And then as our weekly times together continued, that just became part of the fabric of Tuesday nights for us. Kurt would come home from elder meetings, and we'd all debrief together, and then Sarah would come down eventually, and Jackie got to know her and then was able to speak into her life about her relationship with the Lord, and that was so sweet to watch that friendship develop. So that weekly routine in our friendship was an anchor for both of us in the midst of that season's challenges, and I am so thankful for the blessing of all that that offered. Another wonderful friendship started about 20 years ago when I was very pregnant with our daughter Sarah. That year I was serving as a Bible study fellowship discussion leader, which meant I was expected to attend the BSF National Conference in Chicago and to ride the bus to Chicago very pregnant with all the other (laughs) leaders. Um, Although I didn't know her well yet, I did recognize another leader, Connie Oman, um, from church. And since she was also going to the conference, I asked if she would be willing to be my on-call person in case I went into labor down in Chicago. And happily, she agreed. Um, So we got on the bus I was dreading the long drive, and I was feeling more than a little intimidated as Connie and I found a seat together because Connie was tall and beautiful and always put together in Bible study, and her answers were always right, and she really seemed to know our Bible. Connie's sitting over there. Um, (laughs) um, And in contrast, I always kind of felt like a mess, and my answers weren't always right, and I kind of was always waiting for someone to tell me I'd been fired as a discussion leader. Um, So anyway, they didn't fire me. Um, We sat down on the bus, and Connie started asking me all sorts of get-to-know-you questions, and by the time we got to Chicago, many hours later, I knew I had a new friend. And then 20 years later, my memory of that conference is um, we had to wear nylons all weekend long, even when pregnant. Yeah. Lots of sitting, um, 
teaching about the book of Daniel that left me a little confused, and then this wonderful bus ride with Connie, which the Lord used to establish our friendship. Our friendship then expanded to include our families and all of life. And for a long season, we just did life together. For, and, and, and it was just all of life and very, very sweet. Um, I'm now working downtown. Connie works downtown. And so even though kind of our, our uh, seasons of life have changed and we haven't seen a ton of each other, We've picked up and started having lunch every week, and it's just been really great to be reconnected. So those are great stories. Um, It's not real to talk about friendship without acknowledging that sometimes they involve conflict, which can be incredibly painful, and uh, even more so when it's with a close friend. A number of years ago, the daughter of close friends was doing lots of babysitting for us. Our kids adored her. We adored her. She spent the night babysitting so often that she had a toothbrush at our house. Um, She went on vacation with us a couple summers. And that was wonderful. But over time, that started to impact our friendship with her parents. And things came to a head when she wanted to spend her time with us, not family, our kids, not siblings, and um, wanted to spend holidays with us. And it was just painful. Um, Awful hurt feelings all around. Part of the conflict had nothing to do with us, but we were right in the middle, and our presence was exacerbating the whole situation. Um, And it drove a huge wedge into our friendship. We did our best to apologize and tried to help make things better. But it just caused relational tension and brokenness that lasted for years. I'm thankful over the last few years we've been able to rebuild that friendship and the Lord has provided opportunities for restoration and reconciliation. And once again, we're friends, but it doesn't always end that way. Sometimes the relational brokenness just continues and um, we have to live with that longing for restoration. And we hope for that and we pray for that, but... Sometimes, sometimes it's just hard for a long time. Um, so, a few, few final thoughts on friendship. God needs to be first in our lives and in our hearts. He alone can satisfy us, not our friends. He alone will never leave us or forsake us. We need to keep our priorities straight. God, then marriage and family, and then friendships. If our friendship is more important than God or marriage and family, if we're talking to our friend before we're talking to God about it, there's some correction needed there. Um, we need to guard against developing sinful patterns in our friendship. For example, gossip or interactions that foster feelings of envy or jealousy. And if we see those patterns developing, we either need to re- root them out or it's not a good friendship. It's, it's just, might be great people, it's just not a good combination. Um, I think we need to be really um, aware and, and um, guard against exclusivity at church, especially when f- we have friendships with people at church. So um, I think that means we need to, when we're at church and we're with our friends, we need to have eyes to see others looking for friends and be welcoming with everyone. And church is not the place to go have a private conversation. If you need to have a private conversation, I think that needs to happen away from church. Um, Here we need to be 
connecting with everyone. Um, something we talked about last night on this point, I have a friend who's a pastor's wife, not here, and her, um, her conviction about that is that church is a place of not connecting with friends, and her friends know that. She says, when we're getting to be friends, just know I'm not going to hang out with you at church. I need to be using my time at church to connect with new people. This is the only place I'm going to interact with them. And so I want to meet people. I want to welcome them. I want to get to know them. I can see my friends anytime. And, and that takes intentionality on her part to be connecting with her friends outside of church. But I, I really appreciated that idea of what she needs to be doing at church is making new connections and then helping people get connected. So that's just an interesting, interesting take on that. Um, I think we need to take a hard look at our social media usage and how it impacts our friendships. Is it planting helpful seeds, prayerfulness, rejoicing with those who rejoice, or is it sowing seeds of discontent or jealousy? Are the friends on Instagram who we see in snaps with people doing other things making us wonder why we're not part of that picture? And if so, Instagram is not helpful, and we or social media isn't being helpful there, and we need to get rid of it. Um, Friendships have seasons, and at different times we may be closer or less close with a friend. That's normal. There are times where we are seeing the same people over and over and over, and that just fosters a closeness, and then maybe things change in terms of activities and we don't see them anymore. That doesn't mean we've stopped being friends, but it just means things change, and that that's normal. That's just kind of the rhythm of friendships. And then, as a reminder, the one another's in Scripture are commands from God that we need to apply to how we treat everyone, not just the people we're reaching out to and building a friendship with. So we don't get to be selective in how we obey God's commands. We need to apply them across the board. So um, to wrap up, a few questions maybe we could talk about. Um, one is, who are the serial killers in your life? No, no kidding. Um, <laughs> um, but seriously, is there anyone in your, in your life you're sharing a music stand with that, that you're not seeing that maybe God would have you build a relationship with? Um, is there someone in your life God's prompting you to take initiative with? And if you, do you find it hard to go deep with friendships? And if so, what would help with this? So... Happy to answer questions. Happy to have a conversation about any of those questions. So, those are my thoughts. <laughs> Sounds like you're a really curious person um, because it takes a bit of curiosity to think, what could I ask this person, right? Like, and you said in the middle of your talk that you like see this person and think, oh, I want to know how you do this. Or, and you said fill in the blank. And I was wondering if you had any example of like, fill in the blank. you did give some examples, but like, are you pretty wide ranging? Like, wow, that woman, I know her first name. I wonder if she fills in the blank. You know, I don't know. Like, how do you come up with the fill in the blank for, is it the Lord's leading or yeah, I think it's the Lord's leading. Example would be, Liz, how did you teach your kids to pray? 
how did you teach them how to have a quiet time? How did you, or um, can you teach me to knit? Or, or, you know, Pam, can you show me how you're making masks during COVID? <laughs> I, I, I think I have an insatiable appetite for learning. And so, and, and I, I'm eager to fill that hunger. And so I do go looking for people who know how to fill in the blank and, um, and ask the questions. So does that answer your question? Okay. Kelly. So the question is, have I ever reached out to someone and it just didn't click? Um, sure. I, I, yeah, I think, I, I, yeah, I think, you know, there's sometimes when just, you know, personality wise or, or I don't know, place in life or whatever, it, it just doesn't click. But I think people are just interesting. And so I think there's some people that I connect with better than others, but I think people are just interesting. And so, you know, I don't, I don't think there's, I, I try to always leave a conversation trying to be an encouragement. Um, and I, th I think I'm more aware of that as I get older. Um, but so I think we can always, I think any conversation can, we can bless one another. Yeah. This is a question. My, there's a girl at school who has invited my daughter to her house to do things to do through. And she's probably asked her to do four things this year. And my daughter doesn't really want to be friends with that person, mm. even though they're clearly making a very strong effort in kind ways to, to be friends with her. She just doesn't want to. It's at school, so it's kind of this weird dynamic. But how, how, I mean, as adults, what if there is somebody that's reaching out to us and you just don't either want to be friends or you don't feel like you have that bandwidth? And then also for our kids, how do I help her navigate that situation where I've made her go to these things, but but we haven't reciprocated in inviting that person to our house and just feels kind of guilty about that. What do you guys think? <laughs> I have some thoughts, but I'd love to know. It'd be interesting to know like why your daughter doesn't want to, because like, she's seeing like maybe hypocrisy, like the girls one way in this setting, but different in another. I think the girl maybe isn't very popular at school and she feels maybe embarrassed hanging out with that girl or inviting her to sit by her at lunch. It's just, it's an awkward dynamic at school. It's different outside of school, but... Yeah. yeah I would probably talk about how Jesus is associated with the and how he was always intentional towards those people, and how just because at school someone has favor and someone doesn't, doesn't change the value of the person. And so I think I would try to instill, now obviously Henry's too young to be in that season yet, but from personal public school experience and just what the word says, I would try to encourage, like, hey, I understand it makes it but in God's eyes, that's a cost worth bearing. Yeah. 
And that's specific to that context. Now, there's other contexts where you don't want to be friends with someone where it's totally different than that. What age are we talking about? Sixth grade. Any other thoughts? Yeah, Alyssa. I think for myself, I try not to Yeah, Liz. Um, I, I had a situation kind of similar to this where I invited that child to our house so that I could see the dynamic and try to understand. And, and it was a probably felt hard work for, the, for my child to reach out, but then I could speak into how to do that. And it didn't mean you know, we talked a lot about the fact that it didn't mean they had to be best friends with this child. But as Becca was saying, they, they needed to love that child and find some simple ways to do that that could be a role model for the other students at school. That didn't necessarily say, I'm going to give up all my other friends, but how can I extend grace to this child? Yeah. Um, I was going to more direct it on friendships for my other moms and ladies. I feel like um, I've been the person that's reached out and hasn't been reciprocated, and then and then I've also been sought out and also not wanted to reciprocate. So I've been in both places. So I guess I feel like what it comes down to for me is that knowing that that encouragement, that edification among the body. Is, a, is what we're supposed to do. Right. And I think it's a lot of just laying yourself aside and being prayerful. And I think that's the two basic, I mean, very basic in, in our knowledge, I think, but it's just applying it and asking God to be, like, like you were saying, just be prayerful about it. Because I feel like, you know, it's hard. And there's so many excuses not to because you're tired. I mean, getting through the day sometimes is yep. a challenge. And so it's, it, if you're either doing it or you're not, it's just like maybe asking God to give you that desire and that vision to see who's there and you know, pursuits obviously can't go around talking to everybody and doing everything, but I just, bottom line, just kind of putting yourself aside and <laughs> not let those excuses kind of dictate whether or not you're going to have friends in your life, you know? So. Yeah. I am. Um feeling guilty about a personal response to somebody who had reached out to me like oh I just <laughs> like I don't know it was like 10 years ago I had an experience with this person or somebody that kind of left me <laughs> and I was, and it's nobody in this room you know somebody, um and as I was thinking about my own guilty response to that like I knew I felt like I wasn't being zombie about my response and God, the Lord is so kind to help me change my attitude to think about, like, all the different ways that either I or she could be blessed by us being friends. Like, I don't know why she's coming to me now. Maybe there's a way that I'm uniquely qualified to help her with something. You know, I don't know that. And, or, 
conversely, maybe I need to be really needy in some way that she's going to be able to fulfill as a body. You know, I don't know. I was just convicted in a way to try and think about other ways that, you know, instead of like, you have to be friends with her, you know, I don't know, it just wasn't encouraging. Maybe not. But just to try and have perspective about what the Lord could be doing in any number of maybe. Yeah, making an introduction. Yeah. I think for myself, if I'm feeling some hesitancy, for me, regularly praying for that person really changes my heart. Um, and people are interesting. So, <laughs> you know, so I think making that happen and, and just seeing what the Lord has for it has been really helpful. And I think with the kid, the kids' situation, I think it's a training opportunity as parents to speak into what's going on with our kids and maybe giving them vision for what else and other ways to think about it.